three years ago, my son Gus and I ran the Metropolitan Branch Trail 5K. Gus at the time was five years old. He was excited about running with dad. And I was excited about running with my oldest son. This was a uh, relatively small race by DC standards. We put on our red t-shirts and lined up together. And I saw real hope and anticipation in Gus's eyes as he was to run his first race. We began with a sprint. I saw Gus run with excitement and gusto. As soon as there was a clear path in front of him, he ran with all his might and um, uh, perhaps anticipating that the 5K would be over uh, in a matter of, of, of minutes or seconds. After a few minutes, after a few seconds actually, his pace began to slacken and uh, he, he was winded and we walked together, we jogged together and um, his excitement was a little diminished from when the race began. People began to pass us, grown men began to pass us, women began to pass us, other children began to pass us. <laughs> And I saw even less excitement in his eyes. It began to rain. It was a rainy Saturday. It was a little chilly. It was kind of a chilly Saturday. And Gus began to ask me, Dad, when is this going to be over? Can we go home now? It's so comfortable at home. It's cozy at home. On a Saturday, you can bundle up in blankets and have hot chocolate and just snuggle up on the couch, maybe catch a cartoon or two, or ten. And um, then his pace began to slacken to the point where he just wanted to stop. He wanted to stop the race. What had started with excitement had now ground to a halt. At one point it was time for me to put him on my shoulders and run myself. And that lasted a couple seconds. <laughs> I couldn't ha handle that much longer. I couldn't carry him much longer. But I said, Gus, we got to keep going. At some point, we, 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 we got to what looked to Gus to be the end, but it was really just the turnaround point. And so we kept going. And then we came to another familiar spot, and he asked me again, Dad, can we just go home now? Do we have to keep going? At one point, he began to pick up his pace and run a little bit more and then at some point he realized I can finish this race and we trotted together somewhere around the end of the race we rounded a corner and everyone who had finished the race up until that point which was most everybody <laughs> saw what was happening they saw father and son running together and they saw this five-year-old boy giving everything he had to make it to the finish line and they were all in a tent together, kind of being sheltered from the elements. And I whispered over to them, his name is Gus. And the, the tent erupted. Go, Gus! Go, Gus! You can do it! And I saw something happen in his soul. He heard the cheers of everyone who had come before him. And he saw the finish line. And all of a sudden, his spine straightened up. And all of a sudden, he ran with everything he had 
to the finish line. And I shared with Gus a moment of glory that up until that point he had not known and I had not been able to share with him. It was the glory of the finish line. And the rain and the discomfort and the weariness of his body and the unfamiliarity with the terrain all melted away into something new, into something fresh, into something more real than the pain of the race. It was the glory of the finish line. For all of us who are called by Christ to run the race with Him, the race of union with Christ, we are called to the glory of the finish line, which is the resurrection of the body and nothing less. As Nick read from Ezekiel, God has planned for all of those who are made new in Christ to be resurrected from the dead. When our bodies have stopped working, when they have been decaying, Christ intends to come back and call all of those who in faith confess the name of Christ and give them bodies that are indestructible, that will live forever, that are physically and emotionally and psychologically whole and complete and capable of amazing adventures that will go on forever and ever. Christ is even now preparing us for that finish line. But friends, we are in danger of losing sight of that finish line. And when we lose sight of the finish line, when it becomes foggy, when our hearts can no longer see the finish line that we are called to, we are prone to get discouraged and we are tempted to quit the race. And this morning, I want to encourage you to continue to run the race as Paul describes it, pressing on with all of your might, pressing on, your legs pumping like pistons, your heart racing, your, as, as Gus did in his race, arms flailing in the air because you can hear the cheers of the ones who have gone before you and you can see the finish line ahead of you. Friends, this life is a breath. The life to come that Christ is preparing us for will go on forever and it will be glorious and even more real and even more true and further up and further in than we are experiencing right now. Christ is preparing for us that finish line and the everlasting life that lasts beyond the finish line. I encourage you to, if you haven't already, to turn to Philippians 3. God has designed you to race towards an epic finish line. It's uncomfortable to train for this finish line. It is uncomfortable. Um, it is painful to experience union with Christ. Did you know this? It is glorious, but you know what? It is painful to bear glory in your bodies. There's a discomfort that is unique to bearing the glory of God in your bodies. And this is as simple as even uh, what many of us are participating in, which is a Lenten fast. Taking a day a week where you're going without uh, food, perhaps. Or perhaps you are with, withholding from certain creature comforts, alcohol or sugar, that, uh, that bring you comfort, that make life bearable. And perhaps you are experiencing the hunger associated with fasting or the hunger associated from a partial fast or the uncomfortability of, uh, of not being entertained 
for a week because you are fasting from a certain form of entertainment. It's uncomfortable to experience that. But it's training for union with Christ. There's, there's now a, a new hunger for Jesus' righteousness that you did not have before. Um, there are other discomforts that we have. When we follow Christ and we seek union with him, he calls us to put other people's needs before our own. And that's uncomfortable too. Maybe uh, you've experienced pregnancy or all that follows pregnancy. And you're realizing, wow, this is deeply, deeply uncomfortable and difficult to get through. You're putting your own needs, uh, uh, you're putting the needs of your baby be, uh, in front of your own needs, and that's really hard. And for the next 18 years and beyond, it will be hard. Or perhaps um, you are seeking to meet the needs of, of those um, who, um, they're not your children, but you're putting their needs before you, and all, of the, um, uh, all that's associated with that is difficult. Maybe some of you are teachers, work in education, and you have a really unruly classroom. You're all the time, you're trying to get them to just be quiet and listen, and they're giving you a hard time, and you're bearing the pain of their own family life in your classroom. That's hard. That's uncomfortable. That is part of the journey of union with Christ for you. When the race feels too long, that finish line gets abstracted, it gets foggy, and it's, it's actually hard to picture. It's hard to run with all of your might. Or perhaps you have regrets. You, you like Gus, have been passed by someone. And, and you're thinking, you know, I made the wrong turn at some point in my life, and I missed out on something good. And so I'm feeling regret. I'm feeling like I missed out somehow. I've disappointed God, or I've disappointed myself, or I've disappointed my family. And it's too late for me. It's too late for me in Jesus. It's too late for me in God. God would just be, uh, would be happier with me if I made a different choice, but, but I made that choice, and I'm disappointed with myself, or God's disappointed with me, and there's nothing that can, can, can come from that. We've got regrets that we carry around with us. Um, we, when we lose hope or perspective, we can forsake the finish line of union with Christ and instead turn to instant comforts or instant glories. When the finish line's no longer clear, there's other little finish lines that are a lot more immediate and a lot more clear. Instant glories, false finish lines, like um, small and instant ways of experiencing in a counterfeit way what we're meant to experience at the ultimate finish line. It's kind of like, you know, you're an Olympic athlete, but instead of running the Olympic race, training for the Olympic race that God has made you to train for, you, you're like, well, I can do regionals. I can win at regionals. I can just stay in this small pond and, and beat everybody in my hometown. But I'm not going to go through the uncomforts of um, the discomforts of training for a bigger race. Some of us um, are, are, are drawn towards our own achievements in sports or the achievements of our children or our grades, comparison with other students. Or maybe the money that we have, we, we, we love to win in our retirement accounts, and that feels like the end to us. The accolades of people through social media, the accolades of people um, at our workplace, being employee of the month, that's enough for us. That's enough glory for us. It's more immediate. Or perhaps it's the instant comforts. The, the race, the pain of the race is too uncomfortable, and so we turn to instant comforts. We turn to sexual idolatry. Uh, we turn to alcohol. We turn to um, resentments, the people that we're mad at. We, 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 we engage in, in anger fantasies 
and think about them going down and experiencing the pain they caused us to experience. Addictions of any kind, false comforts along the way to the finish line. And it feels like this. You know what? This body is all I have. Uh, This life is all that I will have. This small gain is all that I will have. This pain is all that I will experience. And so the best I can hope for is a small win and a small pleasure along the way to death. Paul describes what this looks like. He actually interprets what this actually is in verses 18 and 19 of our text. He says, Many of whom I have often told you and now even tell you with tears walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their finish line is destruction. Their God is their belly, which means their immediate desires. And they glory in their shame, meaning they glory in what will eventually bring them to shame. They will eventually be ashamed in the things that they're glorying in right now. And their minds are set on earthly things. We are in danger of walking as enemies of the cross of Christ. We are in danger of making our earthly pleasures our God, our end. We're we're in danger of taking something that is ultimately good and making it our best, making it our finish line. And the Bible calls that idolatry, and it will destroy us. But we do not run alone. We do not run alone. We are in this race with the one who has already completed the race. Someone runs, runs with us. He's already crossed the finish line. His bones have already been brought to life. And he can see us. He can see us in our resurrected form. He knows us in our resurrected form. He knows the glory that we will one day inhabit in our resurrected bodies. And he seeks to be united with you. No matter where you're at, no matter where you're coming from, he wants to be united to you. He wants to make you his own. Maybe you don't even know Christ right now. You're unfamiliar with the Christian faith. Christ wants to be united to you. He wants to fill you with his glory. Maybe you are discouraged in your union with Christ. You knew Christ at one point, but you feel like you fell out of the race at one point. Christ wants to be reunited with you. Maybe you have regrets. Christ wants to be reunited with you. Maybe you need encouragement in this race. Christ wants to be united with you. If you have responded in faith to this offer, he has already united himself with you. Verse 12 says this, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. We press on to the finish line because the finish line in Christ has already been given to us. It's a reality that is ours in the death and resurrection of Christ, and yet we are called to make it our own. And this is a great dignity and a great glory that is given to us by the grace of God. Some of you have seen the movie Miracle. It's about the 1980 U.S. hockey team. It's an amazing movie, and it's based on a true story. Um, Hockey coach Herb Brooks from uh, the University of Minnesota led this team. And um, one, of the, one of the turning points of, of the true story and, and also of the movie is his selection process. They, uh, the, the Olympic Committee brought out to Colorado uh, dozens and dozens of potential Olympic hockey players. 
and they, they worked hard to find the best ones. And the plan was that uh, Herb Brooks would, for a week, carefully watch this team, carefully watch these uh, potential recruits. And, and then he would select, in uh, cooperation with some of his assistant coaches, the best 26 players. What happened instead was that after one day of tryouts, Herb Brooks said, I know who I want, and the rest are going home right now. He didn't consult with any of the other coaches. Um, he had actually been planning for this moment, and he knew exactly who he chose, exactly who he wanted. He did not choose the best players. He did not choose conventional choices. He chose people that no one else expected. He chose players that felt too young, players, players that many people thought were too small, too inexperienced. He singled them out for Olympic glory. Many people doubted his choices. Many people were shocked at his choices. He sent the rest packing, but he chose uh, 26 unlikely players for Olympic gold. And he looked them in the eye, and he said, you're going to train with me. And he rocked their world. <laughs> uh, I love to see the training that he brought them through in the movie. Um, and um, he brought these 26 players on an uncomfortable journey towards an unlikely finish line. He could see what they could not see. And they beat the Russians, and they won an Olympic gold in Lake, Lake Placid in 1980 against all odds. Not only did he look them in the eye when they were recruited, he looked them in the eye when they were full of glory. And he saw in person what he had seen in the eyes of his heart at the beginning of their training, which was that they were Olympic athletes, they were gold medal Olympic athletes. The Lord of glory wants to make you his own, and you may not think of yourselves as worthy of that. You may not even want that. You may not even want the uncomfortability of the training that Christ will bring you through, but he wants to make you his own. He singled you out to train with him, to run with him, and to cross the finish line with him. For many of us, union with the Son of God is, is more intense than we bargained for. It's, it's, uh, it's easier to be comfortable than, uh, than to deal with the relationship with the Lord of glory because he takes up a lot of space. He pushes things out that we feel attached to. He hollows out all that is meant to be gone. And in that empty space, he puts us, he puts his glory into us, his very glory into us. He's beginning that now and he takes us through an uncomfortable process where we are able to share in his very nature. His resurrected body is a prototype for our future resurrected body. Think about this. Every uncomfortable pain that you have, you have, an, you have a, um, something about your body that you don't like. Maybe you have back pain. Maybe you have a joint that doesn't work. Maybe your digestion isn't operating properly. Um, maybe even um, your, um, your emotions don't work like you want them to work. You, you, you've actually thought about, man, here, I, I know of some ways that I want to relate with people differently, but I'm so drawn to relate with people in this way, and it's really hard. Or maybe there's, um, you want to have a better memory. Um, or maybe you, um, you want to be better at a certain, uh, a certain activity. You wish you were smarter. You wish you were stronger. You feel yourself weakening. You put all your effort into being strong mentally, physically, psychologically, only to see your efforts crumble a couple weeks later. Think about this. 
Christ will look you in the eye one day if you have union with him. If you responded in faith and, and, and said, yes, I believe you can do this, Christ will look you in the eye one day and the Lord of the nations will give you a body that is just like his. He will give you new eyes. He will give you new bones. He will give you a new back. He will give you a completed emotional life. He will give you a completed psychological life. In fact, it will be beyond what you can even imagine now. It will look like, to some degree, the body that you have. No matter how broken your body is now, you will be given the very body of Christ. You will be filled with glory, and it will be physical. This body will be capable of things that no body is capable of right now. It will be capable of things, um, some of which we read in Scripture, some of which we don't even know about. It will be a body that is capable of running with, adventuring with, serving with, Jesus Christ forever and ever. Think about that. Think about that. How many years do you have to live? You maybe have 80 or 90 years to live, and many of those years are lived in, in uh, helplessness and frailty on both ends. We have a few years where we have power. We have a few years where we have an, a capacity to walk and talk and make plans. But our body is sown in weakness, and time has this way of puncturing our hope and how great our lives will be. We will eventually be buried. Think about that. Only a few years from now. 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, many of us will be gone. We will be in the grave very soon from now. That is not meant to be the end. That is not meant to be the end. All of us gathered here in this kiva, contemplating the end of our life, Jesus wants us to stand before him like the dry bones before the Son of Man. And he will say, live. Live in a way you've never lived before. Be raised to life. As Paul says in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it we await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Our lowly body will be transformed into his glorious body, to be like his glorious body. His status is our status. His power becomes our power. Let me tell you this. The living Christ has strength that you don't know yet, that he wants you to have, and beauty that you do not yet have, that he intends to give you, and virtue and valor that he wants to give you. Starting now, starting now. The resurrection begins now, friends. The final act of his salvation will be completed at the finish line, but it begins now. And we will with him carry out a longer, richer, truer story forever with the new body that he will give us. This is a harder way. This is a more glorious way. It is a weightier way. It's uncomfortable, and it is incredible. And we're called to participate now. Paul says in verse 13 and 14, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are at the stage where Gus was at. In between mile 4.5, or uh, I guess whatever, almost the end of the 5K, and the end of the 5K. And to our right and to our left are the saints that have gone before, cheering us on. You can do this. 
You are designed to be at the finish line. Run, strive. Give everything you have to cross the finish line. How is this possible? If Christ has made us his own and by his own power he will resurrect us, what does it mean that we're giving our efforts? Are we earning our salvation? We are not. But we have the dignity and the glory of participating in our resurrection, participating in our salvation. What an amazing offering that is from Jesus for us to not be passive recipients, but to be active, sweating, lungs-filled participants in glory. One day we will know what it all meant. One day we will look back on this journey and we will say, I see it now. I see now why God was giving us that pain, why, why he was allowing me to endure incredible suffering. It will seem in comparison like only joy and only glory to think about the frustrations of this life, the physical pain, the psychological pain, the relational pain, the frustrations that we have with basic things like housing and education and money. Yes, we are citizens of this earth. God has put us here. But never forget, we are more fundamentally citizens of heaven and we will dwell on the new earth with the Lord of glory forever and ever with a body and on an earth that has been made new from first to last, from beginning to end. The foundations of our life are being remade right now, friends. This world is rumbling to a close and Christ will remake it. It will look resurrected and so will we be. We participate in it now. As I was praying for you and as I was praying for my own self for this sermon, it was my sense that many of us are in a place where we are, we've stopped the race and we're discouraged in our race and we're hunched over something lesser than the glory that God has for us. And God is calling us to be straightened up and be prepared for resurrection. Some of us are hunched over God's gifts. We, we, we love the things that God has given us but those things have become God. But God wants to straighten us up into resurrection and help us realize that those things are only gifts, but they are not God. Other of us, others, others of us are, are hunched over the approval of man. We are, we are leaning in, we are bent over toward what other people say about us and what other people think about us, whether good or bad. And if you're in that place, the Lord would call you to be straightened up by the power of his spirit to see God's approval, God's glory, God's baptism over you. Because God's baptism speaks about your coming life in Christ. And you, when you receive that in its fullness, you will be free to need people less and love them more. God wants to straighten you out and take you out of that hunched over position. Others of us are, are hunched over. We are actually, we're deaf to God's call in our life because it's too hard. And so we have chosen a glory that is more comfortable, a race that is more comfortable. We are glorying in a race that is not glory. We are glorying in a race that perhaps is good in itself, but it is not the race God has called us to. And God would call us to be straightened up by the power of his spirit to run with faithfulness the race he is calling us to. Some of us are hunched over because we are afraid. There are things in our life, there are circumstances in our culture or, or 
or our circumstances that make us afraid and we are locked down in the anxiety of a situation that we cannot control and we cannot solve. God is calling us to be straightened up in hope that he is the Lord of the circumstances of our life, that our life matters to him more than it matters to us, and that everything that we encounter, whether it makes us afraid or anxious or depressed, he can use to complete us as his sons and daughters. Others of us are, are, are hunched over um, just sins. We are enslaved to a sin that we cannot conquer. We're enslaved to a sin and we're isolated because of our shame. We've never confessed that sin in faith that Jesus can forgive us. And we're hunched over and we're isolated and we feel like I can never get back in the race because I am so given over to this sin and nothing can be made good of it. If you're in that position, the Lord would speak over your life. Dry bones live. Be straightened up. Look towards Jesus who has run this race already. He has the power to straighten your spine so that you can look up to heaven and receive healing and life. If you're in that position, I encourage you to go to a prayer minister today or any of this position, go to a prayer minister and confess that you need to go from a place of being hunched over something that is keeping you from running the race to be straightened up by the power of God. We will one day be free from this body of weakness. Christ is calling us to press on for the prize. He calls over his shoulder, come further up. He calls over his shoulder, come further in. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.